Medicare for all. Your bros can suck my balls. Fuck your reply, guys. Please don't fuck your reply, guys. Just listen to reply, guys. Hello, and welcome back to Reply, guys. The leftist comedy podcast for everyone. I am Kate Willett. And I'm Mohanad Al-Sheikhi. We're back. It's 2023. Well, I guess first episode was of 2023 was was last week. I'm back in New York. Um, I'm going to be actually on tour a lot this winter. I'm coming to Seattle um, this weekend, and I'm also going to Baltimore uh, after that. So anyway, yeah, uh, pretty cool. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited. Um, how is how's your new year going so far? Does 2023 have any dis- similarities? I, I I feel so changed. Like I'm I'm a new person now. You know, I I know you know I no longer uh, wake up at 12 p.m. anymore. It's more like 11 a.m., which is great. You know, I'm making a lot of progress as a person. That's wonderful. I'm really yeah. proud of you. Yeah, I- exactly. But yeah, by 2027, hopefully, I'll start. Waking up by 8 a.m. So I had this boyfriend looking once, forward to it. I had a boyfriend yeah. once who used to sleep till 5 p.m. every single day. It was so much. Oh, when so when does he go to sleep then? I think he went to bed at like maybe 9 a.m. every day or 10 p.m. He was just okay. fully nocturnal. Yeah. But the reason I was thinking of that is because I'm kind of dating right now a little bit, but like to me, I was like exploring like, okay, what do I like about relationships? And what do I not like about relationships? And I was thinking that one of the things that bothers me about relationships is having a guy in my house all the time. Cause I like to have like mm-hmm. space to do my work. But then I was just thinking about it and I of was course, like, yeah. well, not everybody is going to be in my bed until 5 p.m. <laughs> like well, yeah. most people get up yeah, in the morning. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, so I don't know. We did this exactly, show. Yeah. We did this show that we were talking about called 51st jokes. And it really mm-hmm. kind of made me love comedy again for a second because it is, um, you know, it's just like all these comedians that are like not famous, but working. And yeah, it was just like such good comedy. And I was thinking about just like how it's so different than the comedy a lot of people see, which is like by comedians that are already super famous and yeah, know, just used to yeah. like laughing at having their own audience, you know, like in the sense that they can just kind of say anything and people will laugh, you know? Yeah, people are just happy that they're there. Yeah. You don't have to try anymore. Yeah, no, it's funny, like, watching some people, like, who are, like, super famous, like, do an hour. And for the most part, I'm like, I don't even get what people are laughing. And I'm like, oh, this whole thing is, like, an inside joke between them because they either have a podcast or something and, like, they're, like, familiar with the topics they're talking about. And I'm like, I have no idea because none of this is funny to me, but the audience is, like, losing it. And I'm like, is that the goal? Is that what I want eventually? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, you know, there's a lot of famous comedians that are super funny, but I definitely think yeah. that, like, there are some people, like, you see this thing happen where, like, a comedian, and I have definitely one person in mind, a comedian that is so famous and just, like... Their their jokes would bomb at an open mic, and they were Absolutely. somebody that was originally like very good. Like they were incredible to get to where they were 
like on their rise or whatever, but then, you know, they're just in a totally, like they just kind of stop trying at comedy. And I have to think yeah. that like that feeling that, cause when you're stuck as a comedian and when you know it's not funny, it puts you in a super bad mood. And that's the thing that I think has happened to all of us at various points. Like there's sometimes where you're really creative and you can just write. And then there's sometimes that you're just kind of stuck. And I have to think that yeah. for those people who kind of get into that like super stuck place and they say stay there for a long time, I have I'm I feel like that motivates some of the weird fucking cancel culture mental gymnastics yeah. that they just go on because oh they just, yeah they're like just kind of taking it out on everyone. I don't know. That's it's an unsubstantiated theory, I, I, but no, I know what you're saying because like it's like oh, you can't say anything anymore and that's why I don't have stuff to say. And instead of being like, oh, I'm just in a uh, creative drought right now and I exactly. have nothing to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't want to face the, uh, you know, like like I agree with you. I have that too. Like some days I'm just like, the jokes just come to you on stage and you just feel like I am the funniest person alive. And then there are some days you're like, maybe I should just get an office job and stop doing this. Yeah. I cannot think of a single funny thought anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, um, you know, it's, man, I was, this is kind of related, but I was wondering if you saw that Crystalia documentary. I saw some of it. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it and man, to me, that was just like this. I don't even, I mean, you can't really attribute it to creative drought or something, but it's just crazy. This guy, you know, there's like, it's all kind of laid out in the documentary, like with evidence and stuff, like just yeah. dating like multiple teenagers in his forties. And it was running some kind of cult, like almost like a Nixium style well, yeah. cult. And just people, yeah. his friends, like around this, they like knew about it. And, you know, there's just such like bad incentives in comedy, I think. Well, it's yeah. Well, it's the amount of things people are like were, are willing to let go just because the for stage time or just like this person will take me on the road or I'll get this and I'll get that. And they're just like willing to uh, over like just overlook like a whole cult. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Never wanted the feature spot that bad. Yeah, it's very. um it's very disheartening. Like that's the thing with like the Crystalia shit is like, I really didn't have any expectations of comedy for like kicking out, you know, just guys that are sexually harassing people because, you know, it's just, there's no HR for comedy. It's not like you can really get fired yeah. and like, just, you know, I, I just don't, I don't have high expectations for our society dealing with sexual well, harassment in general, but pedophiles, yeah. I'm like, how can you just hang out with a pedophile? That's so weird. I know. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. And it's also like my thing is is like not that not that would any would excuse it by any means, but it's just like you're a pedophile, you're a bad person, and you're also not funny. Like pick a struggle. Like you can't be all of these things. Like you're not even like like I can't even be like like is I feel like especially Chris D'Elia, he's not even one of those comedians or like what people like will fight for because they're like funny and you don't want them to be bad i'm just like you're like not redeemable in any by any angle yeah you just suck overall yeah, i know it's not that funny comedy i'm sure it does really well because i mean like comedy is that is good and the comedy that does well is so different like 
I personally, I think one of the best comedians working in this business right now is Maria Bamford, but her stuff is so mm -hmm. original and unique. And all of her shows are like kind of like people who just came to see her, you know, like people who know yeah. what they're getting. But it's, I think when she was, you know, on her journey to, you know, just her like rise as a comedian, just performing in rooms where it was just everyone. A lot of people didn't get it. And they, cause they wanted to hear like the, like men and women are different kind of jokes. And then they see like yeah. this person yeah. who's doing incredible impressions of her own family, you know? And they're like, what the fuck is this? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just voices in her head and stuff. No, she's incredible. Yeah. I agree. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like now, maybe now, like, ex like, I mean, I wouldn't even call her comedy experimental, but it's just like different. And I feel like now there's more, I feel like there are more people accepting of that just because of social media and like how stuff travel. Yeah. And all of that. But yeah, I feel like back then it was just like, oh, men be like and women be like. And I'm just I like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. I And that's what I really liked about that show that we were on is because it was just, it was all really good. There was none of the you know, men be like and women be like kind of shit, but that's you, know. The, you know what? Yeah. That's the thing. Honestly, like every time, like I hear someone talk about like stand up comedy and stuff. And as much as it like has a lot of issues, I'm just like, there are people who are so funny that you don't even know exist I, who exactly. are performing everywhere. And to me, it's kind of like, you know, like when people are like, like some underground, like band or something that I've never heard of. And they're like, this is the best music you'll ever hear. And I don't know who they are because I'm like, yeah, I'm only like aware of like the people that are commercially like famous. And I feel like comedy has that too. Because whenever you ask people to name their favorite comedian, they just like give you the same list. And I just like, there are, are people who are funnier. Oh, absolutely. Who perform in New York. Yeah. Or like any, like some places that some other states are not even have like big comedy scenes. Exactly. Yeah. I, you know, if there's one kind of takeaway from this, I would say definitely go see like some of your local comedy shows or whatever, because there's just, I mean, it's not all going to be good, but there's going to see people, there's going to be people that you see that are like incredible. Um, so here in New York, uh, our terrible governor, Kathy Hochul gave the, uh, state of the state um and uh yeah you know just the same kind of typical um i i thought you know just your your typical like democratic party not really doing much yeah. bs you know i mean what do we expect right not much from from her no uh, I, her I literally forgot that she she won and became the governor yeah, I mean, like, I was looking, you know, I'm interested in housing stuff. I was looking at her housing yeah. plan in particular. And, like, her entire housing plan is just removing obstacles to new construction. And, you know, uh, just, just building, basically. Which, like, I don't want to, like, drag us into debating the merits of that. But there's not stuff that keeps people in their homes right now. Like, there's just nothing yeah. to that end at all, which is probably the most important thing. You know, it's like all this kind of, like, uh, yeah, in incentives to build more. And, you yeah, know, of course. just, 
okay, so great. You know, we're going to have a bunch more shit that costs $5,000. What are you doing for, like, I heard about someone this morning who, you know, it's like, and I think this happens all the time where like her, you know, landlord just won't repair the heat because he's try trying to drive her out of her apartment. And so she's in the, like, Oh, yeah. she's like staying with family and not even able to be in her place because there's no heat whatsoever. So, you know, it's just like, Yeah. what are we going You to know do what's about funny that? is that I, I don't know why uh, TikTok keeps showing me that, but, like, so many, like, real estate agents and, like, <clears throat> New York just showing apartments around and stuff like that. And it's 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 truly fucking insane. Like some, like some of it, I'm just like feels like a social experiment to see like when I'm gonna snap while Yeah, watching these videos. I know. Because uh, they're just like we found a deal that you will not even believe, and I'm just like it is the worst apartment that you can ever see. And they're like you see how they're talking about it, like they're very creative, like when describing it, and they're like, and this is only five thousand dollars. I'm like. What are you even talking about? You're like being like spinning in a circle like this because there's no space for you to walk. I know. And they're like, yeah, you can make it your own. I'm like, no, I can't. What are you even talking about? <laughs> I saw this one interview or this one video I guess that had a it it was like a walkthrough of an apartment and the kitchen was split into two parts into two different rooms like the stove was in one room and the sink was in another room and the apartment was like four thousand dollars it was like so worthless That is insane. That is insane. And it's 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 either that or like they show you like the very expensive like uh rich people apartments and even those you're like is this is what being rich is? Like this is like not good. This is bad. I'm, I'm like I'm just like who are like who are these people who are building these stuff? Like do they do not have like I don't know. It's it's so weird. Like I don't know if it's New York only, but like like the houses I see here and the new apartments and stuff are terrifying. I'm just like who who's making those? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so I, who, who did you interview this week? I, I know who it is, but I'm telling our listeners who it is. So I interviewed uh Rana Abdelhamid. She's uh she's a community organizer. Uh, she's born and raised in Queens and she's like very active in her community and she's like leads uh, various organizations uh, one of them is she teaches uh, self-defense to uh, to women and she's in, she's she's overall like an incredible person she's very, very progressive That's awesome. and I talked to her you know yeah I talked to her about like uh, you know just everything politics we talked about housing as well and like what's happening in like Astoria Queens and all of that stuff like uh bad developments and stuff and you know we're just so happy to to have her on the podcast That's awesome. I can't wait to hear this interview. I promise next week we won't talk about housing at all. I know it's <laughs> it's so it, it is easy to to fixate on because it's just such a ever-present and infuriating topic but uh next week we'll do something yeah completely different all right well um enjoy the interview and we will see you soon just listen to reply guys Okay, Reply Guys, we're back, and we have a guest with us. We have community organizer and Queens resident, Rana Abdelhamid. wow queen's resident that's so formal It, I mean, you are a resident of I Queen. am Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, right. one of your you're Instagram right. accounts is called Runner for Queens. From right? Queens. From Runner Queens. From... I mean, you're yeah, for and from to... Queens. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's my whole personality is being from Queens. Like, I have nothing else going for me. <laughs> hey, look, that's a good, that's, that, that's a good personality to have. <laughs> that's true, yeah. That's yeah, so true. but you also just been named one of uh, Forbes 30 under 30, which is a big deal, especially like the me learning that you are not even 30 years old. How does that feel? <laughs> Dude, Um, it feels like it's cap because i'm about to oh. be 30 i'm about to be 30 yeah but you're not so i feel like you know i slid under like i'm like i made it it's funny because i feel like they've been like you know watching you do your work and everything and they were like well we'll wait we'll wait until she thinks she's not gonna have it exactly they're like we'll wait and then we'll we'll, we'll lay it on her we'll make it happen now but it well, feels that's... good it's cool it's a cool community yeah. to be a yeah. part of I honestly, um, because it's more of an entrepreneurial and like business oriented mm -hmm. award. I think yeah. in the social impact world, it's not as like, you know, known. And so I was like, oh, what is this? <laughs> so it was it was for your. Uh, uh, so what's the name of the uh, your your foundation or organization? Melika. Melika, which yeah. you know, translate to queen again. <laughs> just 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 saying. I mean, yeah. No, it's a good, it's a great name, but so, okay. So what's the, what, what is the, can you tell me more about that organization? What does it do? Yeah, for sure. So Melika is a self-defense, mm -hmm. mental health, mm -hmm. community organizing, and financial literacy nonprofit. So we're focused on building power and safety for women and girls, especially survivors of both gender violence and hate-based violence. So it's really beautiful work. I feel really lucky to, to get to teach self-defense, to facilitate healing space, to connect with community in that way. That's amazing. You also have a black belt. Yes. I also have a black belt, which is kind of interesting because I'm five foot one and hijab wearing. So I think like when people see me, they don't think black belt. They think I'm just like a small Muslim girl. <laughs> but I'm actually I mean, a black I mean, belt. I mean, I'll say this. You do have the personality of uh, 5'11". Oh, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> I, no, seriously, because like every time like we meet, that's when I remember you're 5'1", when I see you. Uh, <laughs> but then usually I'm just like, in my mind, you're taller than that. Oh, nice. Wow, that is such a compliment. Although I did read this. Did you see the New York Times article? I've been talking to everybody about this New York Times article what that just it? came out yesterday. It was about like how... Short people are better <laughs> than tall people. How like basically being short is now in, whereas like being tall has been so revered for so long. And I was like, wow, really? The bar is so low for the kind of articles New York Times is publishing. Because I, mean, I was like, this is such a weird article to write. But, it, but the it, argument was like, yeah. short people are going to survive longer because we eat less food. So when there's no food on the earth, we're gonna be, we're gonna make it, and then. The I mean, I don't know there. if the bar is so low because if you're that short, it's kind of still high. So <laughs> there, there's that. Yes, yeah, yeah. True. They just just met you where you're at. No, that's 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 fantastic. And I mean, it's yeah. I, I I'll read the article because I mean, I would love to learn more about how tall people are bad. Uh, <laughs> but the same thing. Okay. Also, also, I don't know. I don't know like what's considered short anymore. Uh, because five is five, seven short. 
I mean, for, like, I don't think so. Not from my perspective. I'm yeah, uh, but like I, I think short. for like men at least, they like view it as short. And now we're saying that short people are like better people. But then Jeff Bezos is five seven. Mark Zuckerberg is five seven. Oh, okay, okay. I take it all back. I take it all back. Yeah, <laughs> no more. So, no more. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of not great people are five seven. But but maybe like if you're like five one, that's when it starts. Yeah, exactly. It's only five yeah. one and below. Exactly. I can't think of any billionaires who are like five one. Exactly. Only five one and below. And if your first name starts with an R, then you're okay. Everybody oh, else. Okay. <laughs> Everybody that, else is that. That's, beca- that's becoming too specific for a reason. I can't think of any person with, with those features, <laughs> but yeah, amazing. Uh, I also, you know, I, 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 I you, you, you're big on TikTok now. You, you post a lot. You have like what ten k now. That's that's a lot of people. I'm so uh, big on TikTok. I'm you're big on TikTok. It. Yeah, I mean you're growing. Uh, <laughs> no, but something I see that you do is you ask uh, you ask Muslim women why they wear the hijab, yeah. which is which is great. So what 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 started that initiative? What is it they uh, compelled you to do that? Yeah. Um. So I don't know if you know this, but. Muslim women are 70% more likely to experience the hate-based attack because of mm-hmm. the visibility of our identity as Muslim yeah. people. And and oftentimes, like, there's so many misconceptions about hijab. And I do think that there's so much power, especially in a place like New York City, where you really do walk around and in certain areas, you see a lot of hijab-wearing Muslim women who are very mm-hmm. proud of their identities. And and there's almost like an instant connection. Like when you walk down the street and you see another hijab wearing woman, you like not, you know, like you like say salam or you nod or you acknowledge yeah, yeah. each other. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's kind of like formalizing that is is being able to tell the stories, tell the experiences, highlight the challenges that Muslim women face, but in mm-hmm. a way that feels like, but in a way where they're telling, you know, they're telling their experiences. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. people, you know, have different reasons for why. Yeah. They're wearing it and all of that. Uh, I feel like it's it's funny because yeah, you see Western media and they're just like there's only one reason. Yeah, exactly. It's not their choice, and I'm like, cool, man. That's awesome. Exactly. Thank exactly. you for sharing your perspective. Right, and it does, you know, and of course, it's not to take away from like what's happening in Iran right now. And yeah, movement. of course, yeah. And I think that's really important, right? It's like across the globe, women are choosing or fighting to have to cho- to have the opportunity to choose how they express, self-express, how they show up in the world. Whether Absolutely. it's like in France, like Muslim women being banned from like academic institutions and government mm-hmm. jobs and all these things for choosing to wear the hijab, or whether it's like literally in cafes or clubs or restaurants in Egypt, even like where women are banned yeah. to the obviously state-sanctioned violence. Mm-hmm. by the by the government in Iran and so it is very inspiring it's an important moment where women are like resisting and and claiming their identities in important ways yeah exactly i mean it's i mean it comes at the end it comes to choice mm-hmm. whether you want to wear it or not it's just a choice what it's it's not you know this is good and this is bad and i feel like that's the uh that's the thing that people fail to grasp because it's just like mm-hmm. It's you know it's it's the same with you know women rights and all of that. It's like oh yeah, look, some some people want to have kids, some don't want to have kids. It's not about it's not this being good and this being bad. It's just whatever you want to do, you should be mm-hmm. able to do it. And you, you you were you were in France recently, right? Yeah, yeah, I was. yeah. How 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 was that? The because uh, I because uh, you like you said, I don't think France is just like very 
like it's one of the places where I'm like, I don't really want to go there because it's yeah. just, yeah, I like I never hear good stuff. Mm. Yeah, France is so complicated, you know, because in many ways there's like so much artistic expression and art and yeah. fashion and music, right? Like the French rap scene that comes from the suburbs yeah. of France is so dynamic. But on the other hand, there is this reality of discrimination, right? That so many people, especially African migrants, North African people, Muslim people experience in France. And there are there's so many stories of hijab wearing Muslim women who either choose to take off their hijab when they're in France as travelers or yeah. choose to alter the way they wear the hijab or experience discrimination because they choose to not alter or not take off um, the, the, the part, you know, this part of their identity. And so it is you know, a complicated place. But honestly, like when I go to places like France, I'm like, where are the Moroccans at? Like, let me go to the, I know. Like, where are the North African neighborhoods, you know? And that's I what know. we did. I like, know. We no, that's had great. some good couscous. Like we had the best couscous ever. Um, and we were yeah. just like trying to find people and vibe in, in those neighborhoods because it's so nice. I know. A lot of North Africans there. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny. Yeah. Because I feel like here in the US, people like do not understand the difference between Middle Easterns and North Africans. Not at all. And you just have mm -hmm. to explain it. And I have friends to this day who like still talk to me as if I was like about the Middle Eastern. So I'm like, I get it. It's, you know, we have similarities in cultural language and stuff, but it's different. And I feel like North Africa really get defensive about it. Just like, no, they do. it's Africa. I'm yeah, like, exactly. They do. They do. They do. It's been, yeah. Especially this World Cup brought it up a lot. No, don't you? Oh, think? yeah. Oh, absolutely. 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's this World Cup has been interesting, obviously, because of Morocco, because it's I feel like Morocco is one of those countries where people are just like claim it when they feel like it and then they just drop it. Like yeah. one day they're Arab and one day they're like not really. And they're like, you know, and I'm just like, pick a lane. Yeah, Piccolina, choose, choose it. And I think, but I think the most powerful part of this for me, as I was like seeing a lot of that dialogue and discourse is one that the discourse is happening. Like, I don't think people Absolutely. talk about North African identity at all in mm -hmm. many opportunities, in many spaces. I think maybe much more in Europe than we do in the United States. And as someone who grew up in a North African community, I'm like yeah. hungry for this. I'm like, I want people to talk about North Africa. And then the second thing was like the mm -hmm. conversations around indigeneity, right? And like, what does it mean to be North African? What is mm -hmm. what is the Amazigh identity, right? Like people yeah. seeing the Amazigh flag and being like, what is that? And then, you know, Moroccans being able to explain that part of their heritage um, and identity was really important because I think oftentimes, again, like it's erased. Um, so that's... Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't know about the Amazigh identity at all. I mean, like it's it's predominantly like North Africa. And I feel like where I'm from in Libya, uh, you find Amazigh in like very specific cities, like not, you know, especially like if you go more like to the uh, West and like to toward the mountains and all of that. But people can be like very hostile, like especially like when I remember the government tried to introduce Amazigh language as like a, an elective, like, you know, even like something you have to learn at schools and people made us such a fuss about it because they're like, no, like, well, you, you can, it's like a, they call it a dead language. And I'm just like, well, they speak it still. So it's not dead. Yeah. And also it's an elective. So you, you get to pick it or like you get, but just seeing how people are just so upset about it and like, and every time they raise the flag and stuff, I'm like, I mean, at the end of the day, this is literally their like land as well. So 
literally <laughs> yeah so i'm not sure yeah. what to tell you here like yeah. but yeah it's i'm like you said i'm I'm glad the conversation was happening i feel like so many people are like now more aware of yeah. that which is which is fantastic yeah i think that this world yeah. cup has been brought a lot of like conversations to light mm, absolutely yeah no what a time I know, I know. Well, next World Cup is going to be here in the States. So we'll see I how. I know. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I really hope that we have as much of a conversation around human rights when it's in the United States. I know. I'm like, I'm like, please make this a moment where we talk about like the prison industrial complex and gun violence and abortion. Like, I hope the world critiques the United States. I know. It's so because we need it. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of like very like hypocritical and like like kind of like funny in a weird way, which is like like yes, I'm like yeah, Qatar like they did so many like human rights abuses that happened like with migrant workers and all of that. Sure, talk about it. Like no one is saying that did not happen, but just being like okay, you know what? Next time I'm gonna have it in a place where no crimes have ever happened and everything <laughs> is good. Where North America, yes. I know of all the places of yeah. like think about indigenous history, indigenous people, migrant workers. Oh my God, there's just so much. Yeah, it's okay if it happened maybe like you know years ago, and they're like nothing is happening, bad is happening now, and you're like, no, and they're like <laughs> name one thing you can, and, <laughs> and try to name it, and I'll kill you right now. Oh my God, name one thing. I'm dead. I know. Yeah. I honestly like the thing I'm I'm most worried about like next world cup is not you know obviously all of that but i think we're gonna i, I think we're gonna like uh, probably make climate change even worse mm. because the amount of cities that the world cup takes place in and can you imagine all these rich people in their private jets just going from one place to the other like even the teams as well true true yeah like the pollution itself is gonna yeah. be insane that's true yeah that's so real yeah, because in Qatar, it was just like you take a bus. Yeah, yeah, not a private jet, like across the continent. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so I don't I don't know about that. I don't know how that that is going to be. But yeah, well, you, you also ran for Congress. Which apparently so you did. You did. Uh, there's a there's a you have a second Instagram account that tells me that. <laughs> well, you know, everything about me through my social media. Well, I mean, that's how you know people, right? Yeah. Like, that's, that's what social true. media is for. Like, how else am I going to know? Uh, yeah. You know, go to the library and, like, read about you, like, in the newspaper. Yes, you should. You should. Although I'm not in the newspaper. You, you don't have <laughs> yeah, a section I, for you in the library? No. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, but you... you Although, so you drop, speaking yeah, you of drop libraries... Out. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, speaking of libraries, they're about to defund. Like, I don't know if you're seeing this this budget that's coming up. But Mayor Adams has introduced a budget and so much of the things that he's cutting are defunding libraries and schools. And it's just going to have cute, which is what, you know, austerity budgets do. Um, and, very, and where is that money going? What's his excuse, excuse for it? It's just cutting. It's just cutting money for a more efficient, more effective. It's like efficiency sake, austerity sake. Um, yeah. to save costs, to cut down things that are inefficient. But the reality is like schools and public libraries need more funding, right? Yeah. Like, there's a mental health crisis. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And his main thing now, for some reason, I don't know what's what's up with him, but he's just so focused on rats. 
And yeah, yo, it's so funny. Made that into an issue. And I'm just like, bro, who cares? Literally, like, if there's one thing New Yorkers don't care about at this point is rats. It's like, we've already dealt with them for so long. Yeah, we don't want the rats. Like, hell yeah, yeah. I don't want the rats. Like, I'm so traumatized by the rats. But at the same time, it's like, we should probably deal with other things. And like, if you think about like a cultural awareness campaign, which is what he's doing, like we should be talking about mental health. You know, we should be talking about- Absolutely. So many other things like community safety and um, anti-racism and, anti, you know, just like there's so many other things that we could be using this cultural capital to talk about. But exactly, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's hard for a cop to think about these things. So yeah. And and I also saw like no, I feel like that was like two weeks ago or so. He was talking about the uh, asylum seekers coming to New York yeah. and 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 made it like into like oh these people are like taking our money and like they're taking the fundings and that's why we need to cut costs and stuff like that. And I'm just like, oh yeah, he uh, and it's just that. like these people just arrived and you're already blaming them for cutting costs and like closing libraries. That's insane to me. Yeah, and I have to tell you that the response, the the actual response that's happening on the ground is very volunteer-led. You know, mm-hmm. like I know the two people. There's a woman called Edema. She's an she's a former former asylum seeker herself. Um, has has an incredible story. She's a Muslim woman from the Bronx, and she has been on the front lines. Like literally, people like my mom and cab drivers in the neighborhood who are like picking yeah. up asylum seekers from airports, dropping them off to shelters. Like his plan to house asylum seekers in tents clearly did not work. Back in hotels, there's no like long term sustainable plan for actually providing housing for folks. Because there isn't necessarily a strategy around housing except for them just wanting to build more luxury. Um, and so you're you are seeing kind of this lack of response and coordinated effort by the city as well. So it's not yeah. like he's funding or they're driving so many funds into something that's actually tangible and sustainable. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of development projects happening now in in Astoria and in Queens. Because yeah. I, I remember there was like a whole thing about them like not being approved and there's not like much affordable housing. and But now it did it did pass eventually. Yeah. And what, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, don't even get me started. I mean, you know, as someone who was born and raised in Queens, like the hardest part is seeing the gentrification of your neighborhood. It's really painful. Like people yeah. make jokes about gentrification. And I'm like, yeah, it could be fun. Like you can make funny about the fun of about the fact that like now you have a yoga studio and like a dog shop on every corner and that like there are mad white people and like yeah, there's yeah. no swag and no soul and no vibes, but it's deeper than that. Like yeah. it really destroys like cultural immigrant community that mm-hmm. is really important for working class people to be able to survive. Like it's very important that working class people live close to each other because when you have to pick up an extra shift or when you yeah. don't have food at home or when some you you know you're dealing with like a problem because you can't pay for rent like those close tight knit communities are what give you that meal right are what yeah. provide you child's care are what make sure that you have a roof over your head even when you're not working or you're really struggling and without those deep social ties when people are displaced people really struggle they feel the struggle struggle even more that's how i was raised like because mm-hmm. of these mutual aid networks and so when i think about gentrification and displacement and luxury development yes it's about housing as a human right 
It's about making sure that we have affordable housing and it's about community and culture and family and love and sacrifice. Like it's about how I've seen my aunties built our small businesses and built our institutions, but now can't afford to live in the vicinity of the institutions that they built. And that for me is really heartbreaking. It is. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, I mean, the saying like it takes a village is is very true because you need that. And that's how, you know, uh, it's people have lived through the years, through the decades, the centuries, people just like, you have to do it with other people. Like you were not built for this, like uh, individualistic society that the U S prides itself to be sometimes, which is, I'm like, this is not, this is not how humans are supposed to live. It's uh, not real. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Unless you're like rich and can afford to have higher a community basically to take wow. care of your kids and your needs. Yeah. But other people, yeah, you need others. And yeah, I, like I, yeah, it's it's so sad. And I mean, like I've, you know, I've been to story a few times and it's so beautiful and it's so, you know, and the food and like the people and everything. And like when we were talking about the World Cup, you know, the atmosphere there was just incredible, just seeing how people get together. And like, I feel like this is the closest thing to home I can feel, mm-hmm. you know, like being there, just seeing the people and and, and all of that. And it's sad that they were like, yeah, I think having more tall buildings and uh, weird apart like that. You know what gets me with these developments too, like these apartments buildings? Because I, I live in Fort Greene, Brooklyn, and there's so many of them. I'm just like, they're not even good looking. No, they're ugly. <laughs> they're so ugly. <laughs> if you, at least if you're gonna build luxury, make them look cute. <laughs> yeah, like it's just yeah. like they're like they look like 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 microwaves from the outside or something they're just like built in like weird like metallic it's very waves. sterile very sterile yeah and like i'm like no it's like minimalistic I'm like no it's just bad stop yeah, yeah stop trying to like give me like uh terms for why it, i'm like no it's it's bad this is bad and also you're charging so much for it so much like when like who lives in a studio for thirty five hundred dollars like how I, I don't I just know. don't understand. Who are these like, people? Who lives That's my question all the time. I'm like, who do I know who can live in a studio for 3500 Me, with all of my privileges and access, right? Like, I honestly have no idea. Like, who the fuck? And it's not. It's not. It's not even like whether you can afford it or not. It's even like even if I had that money and I can like do that, I don't want to because it's too much for a studio. Yeah, it's a lot. Like it makes it makes no sense. I'm like at yeah. least a room. Like what are we doing? Uh, yeah, and it's so funny because mm-hmm. they're like these TikTok accounts that you see. Like they come to people in like New York or whatever, and they're like, "Can you show me your apartment?" And they do that, and they're like, "How much you're paying for it?" And they're like, "Five k." I'm like, five k. Yeah, yeah. They they exist. Yeah, these people exist. Yeah, and I'm like, what do you do? That's that should be the other question. Like. And they're like, you know, I'm just a, I'm an artist. I'm like, okay, rich parents. I got it. I know. I know. And they're like, yeah. an artist. Like, yeah. You know, I just like design stickers. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm sure that pays for it. Oh my God. Wild. dude. Yeah. It, yeah. It's funny. I, I, I feel like I just need more people to start saying that they have rich parents and that's okay. You just know? say it. Yeah. We're yeah. not judging you. Just do your yeah. thing. Stop making Just don't displace bad. people in the meantime. Like, I think, I think honestly, the issue with all this stuff too, is like, it does pit the real problem and the core of the problem is our real estate industry. Yeah. It's like the Mm -hmm. fact that real estate lobbies and has influence over our politicians and electeds Mm 
And therefore, like we don't have policy outcomes that really are the best for communities and communities needs. And then we don't do we don't actually there's no incentive to fill vacant apartments. Mm -hmm. There's no incentive to make sure that people have access to cheap or affordable, like truly affordable housing. Yes. And actually, like, I remember I was working on this housing project and I remember like speaking to someone who runs an apartment building and she was telling me how like there's literally tax incentive to keep it empty because you get a tax Mm -hmm. write-off. It becomes like a commercial loss for your business. And this is housing is a business, you know, I'm just like, bro, how does this make any sense? It's, it, it makes no sense. No. And it, it's, I don't know. I, I truly can't tell, especially like, you know, like how much money goes into like, like prisons and keeping people like in prison. Yeah. And I'm just like, that same money could house people. I mean, like technically you're housing them in the worst yeah, conditions possible, true. but like I am sure if most of these people like if their needs are met, they will not need crime. It's that simple. And I feel like that that's one thing like when you hear Adam Eric Adam talks about crime and like officials, government officials, and they never talk about like 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 uh need based crime. Like like that these people are just like need to live need they need to survive and that's why they're like doing all of that and they're like no they're just you know they're bad yeah it's it's this vilification right it's what do we criminalize what do we choose to decriminalize like even for example the fight for legalization right of marijuana Mm -hmm. 10 years ago we saw people who you know smoke but also were in business in the marijuana industry like as quote-unquote criminals yeah right and think of the perception change all of a sudden overnight like you have elected celebrating this like it's a huge win people across the country across the globe are like wow this is such a great moment right and so so much of our understanding of what is quote-unquote bad what's quote-unquote good is so culturally rooted and you're absolutely absolutely right that like criminalization oftentimes impacts those who impacts those who are most marginalized those who are most vulnerable i'm like and an example of that is the fact that like most women who are in prison and the rate for women imprisoned is actually exponentially increased over the past mm-hmm. decade are survivors of domestic violence and gender violence like yeah. these are women who were either defending themselves trying to find sovereignty for themselves their families and then they end up in a criminalization system that oftentimes leaves them more vulnerable to other types of violence sexual violence right that they face Absolutely. inside prison and so none of this is restorative none of this is healing none of this is actually getting at the root cause of issue and it leaves our societies like really just distraught in a way and not actually moving forward, not progressive. Exactly. Yeah. Just like throwing the issue like far away where you can't see it literally on an island. Yeah. Rikers. I live, Yeah, you know, I live very close to Rikers and it's very heartbreaking. Like it's the human international human rights violation. The fact that there's solitary confinement that's against international human rights. The deadliest year for prisoners on record was in Rikers Island last year. It's wild. And it really makes no sense that it's still open. Advocates agree that it should be closed. The city government agrees that it should be closed, right? It's all a matter of quote unquote time. But I do think that it's something that definitely could be expedited, right? If it was a priority. So it's very, it's very off-putting for sure. Yeah. 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 It's 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 fucked up. I don't know. I ah, 
yeah, I look at this mayor and like I don't I I just it's just so sad that he's he's in charge now. And and not that the people before him were better or anything. I mean, I feel like yeah. I feel like this city unfortunately like is just keeps getting the worst people in 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 the mayor office. Uh and like part of me like we uh, we me and Kate were talking about like the the other guy who ran for mayor, the Republican guy, uh can't remember his name. Slaywise or something like that. Yeah, the cast guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Curtis, yeah. I was, we were just like, how like how much worse would he be than uh Eric Adams? Uh at least he likes cats. That's the one thing I give him. <laughs> Eric Adams does, doesn't like seem like he likes pets at all. <laughs> it, it just seems like the kind of guy who just want people to think he's cool. Yeah. Yeah. He it's so because he always talks about New York like he is pitching it on Shark Tank. I know it's so funny. It's yeah. so funny. It's like, like we have swag. And yeah, like, okay. you know what they call it? The Big Apple. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, bro, you're so. The you sound lines. like you're not from here. Yeah, he sounds like he's from New Jersey, and he's pretending to be from here. <laughs> exactly, bro. That's the truth. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, Rana, thank you so much for doing this and taking the time to talk to me. Uh, of course. Where, where can Anytime. people find you? Well, you mentioned that I have like 17 social media apps, platforms, and they <laughs> yeah. could also find me at their local library um, yes. by reading a local newspaper and finding Amazing. a random column. But but folks can follow me just at my Instagram at my full name, which is very long. You will so find it. We will provide that in the description. <laughs> so you don't have to attempt to find it yourself. Just, I know. <laughs> just copy paste. Don't, yeah, don't yes. get innovative. Don't get hurt. Don't get hurt. Don't hurt yourself. Exactly. Thank you so much for listening to Reply, guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. The show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Mohanna Delshehi. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song is performed by Emily Fremgen and written by Emily with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we are at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's, and I am at Mohanna Delshehi. And Twitter is where you can find our reply guys. They are always with us. Bernie, take us out. walking that ribbon of highway I saw above me that endless skyway I saw below me that golden valley this land was made for you and me this land is your land your this land, land is mine